Captain, we have them. We've established Transporter Lock, the Star Trek Discovery podcast. Join Ken and Sabriel each week as they explore strange new episodes, seek out new plots and new characters, and boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Hello and welcome to Transporter Lock, episode number 59 for Saturday, August 8th, 2020. I'm your co-host, Chief Engineer Ken Gagney, and joining me is Captain My Captain. <laughs> uh, yeah, just my, my Captain works. No, this is Sabriel Meston here. Uh, <laughs> Hello, Sabriel. Hi, it's been a while. It's been so long. The last show we did was the Picard Season 1 wrap-up back in April, and now here we are in August, four months, a third of a year later. But there's a reason we're back. We're not just deciding to spam everybody's airwaves with more Star Trek blather. We actually have something to talk about. Uh, yes, span the airwaves as we do in this modern 2020 era. Oh, I'm sorry. Frequencies? Are they jamming our frequencies? Is that? Uh, uh, no, I just I love I love uh, anachronisms. It's true. It's true. I was watching She-Ra the other night, and like they they invented uh, a video chat device, and like the very first time they used it, they were like, "No, hang up. Say we're not here." And I'm like, "Where are you getting the terminology 'hang up' if you've just invented this? Come on." Anyway, but anyway, we are here to talk about Lower Decks, a new animated series. Yes, Star Trek LDS, the half-hour animated series. It's the first Star Trek series to not be strictly sci-fi. It's comedy. Although I object to sci-fi being a genre, it's a setting. Because Star Trek Lower Decks is still sci-fi. Regardless. But we have decided to bring on an extra guest to help us cover this brand new Star Trek theory, uh, this brand new Star Trek series. Hello, Joe Strasnyder. Hey, everybody. Nice to be here. How you doing, Ken and Sabriel, today? Doing We're doing Keen. great. So awesome. glad to have you here. Awesome. You know, we forgot, we forgot to ask you before the show, what is like your, your Star Trek rank and your department? <laughs> if I had to pick a rank, I would say I would be a lieutenant commander because I like to be right in the middle and actually get work done. And I've, uh, just like Scotty, all I've ever wanted to be was an engineer. So I'll pick engineer. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much. That's a good rank. You know, some people see Lieutenant Commander as a downgrade from Commander. I'm like, but no, the more titles you have, the more impressive it is. Absolutely. Just like, just like that Monty Python sketch where the guy had a title that went all the way around the room on his little uh, play card thing on his desk. Yeah. He extended all the way around his room. You had to duck underneath it to get inside. The longer yeah, the title, the better. <laughs> like, you're not just famous. You're infamous. So, so Joe... <laughs> Who, oh, come on. Anybody get the reference? Moving on. Joe, who are you? Well, uh, my name is Joe Strosnader, as we already said. I'm a, I'm a computer nerd by trade, and I'm a computer nerd because when I was a little kid, back in the mid-'80s, in syndication, Star Trek was on after dinner every night, the original series. I sat down and I watched that. I'm like Kirk and Scotty and, and Spock and everybody, and I looked up to all of that, and I'm like, I want to do that when I when I grow up, and and uh, Star Trek has been with me ever since. Um, it kind of it, it pushed me into an electronics and computers and programming and and all of those other fields. Um, so yeah, yeah, I basically owe my entire professional career to this wonderful TV show that we all love. So you want to grow up to serve on a starship? How did that work out? <laughs> <laughs> Who didn't? <laughs> Absolutely, you know. 
But um, just like, you know, Mae Jameson, she she grew up watching Star Trek and became an astronaut. I mean, we all take uh, something different from Star Trek and what fits our personalities. I always wanted to tinker with the electronics and the computers and the, the stuff behind the scenes, kind of like those in uh, in the episode we're going to be talking about today the, to keep things uh, keep things functioning and working. I always found it uh, fascinating. So that's that's kind of what I ended up doing. Awesome. And you and I know each other because not only are we computer nerds, we are retro computing nerds. Absolutely. We're both old school Apple II freaks. So we, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we like those things as well. I've been trying to get Sabriel to come to Kansas Fest. Someday she just might. <laughs> I want to. It's just more like a matter of uh, cost. And, um, and now we've got the new complication no one would have imagined a year ago. Yeah, this year's Kansas Fest was virtual. Anybody could attend for 20 bucks, but it's not the same as being there in Kansas City. Absolutely. Uh, so, Joe, you have a YouTube channel, is that correct? I do. Uh, I have a YouTube channel, Joe's Computer Museum. Just search that on the YouTubes. Um, yeah, I take apart, fix, and hopefully don't break old computers of all descriptions <laughs> and sizes. Um, doing all them type types of cool projects on there. So if you're, you know, if you're, you're uh, listening and you like to watch, uh, nerds take apart old computers, you can watch my channel and, and maybe learn something. I hope that's the, that's the goal. <laughs> well, the first time I became aware of you was on your YouTube channel with your Apple II music video, which was quite impressive. Oh, and yes. surprise, we're going to ask you to sing the intro song to the Transporter Lock podcast. <laughs> Can I respectfully decline? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you'll get demoted. Okay. We'll make your title even longer. You can Got disrespectfully decline, too. Hi. <laughs> and since you mentioned growing up with TOS, is that your favorite Star Trek? Actually, no. I would have to say my favorite Star Trek would be The Next Generation. Uh, TOS was was interesting and in all of that, but, you know, when uh, when TNG came out, I just, I, I, I fangirled. Um, if that was a thing in 87, I don't know, but, um, but yeah. And then I really fell in love with TNG. It's, it's story style, um, and the wonderful acting by, uh, Sir Patrick Stewart and everybody else on that show. So. Excellent. Do you have a Star Trek series you dislike? Ooh, that is a very good question. Send all hate mail to Joe. At <laughs> <laughs> well, it's hard to like any Star Trek. Or, or hard to like. Wow. Failure. No, hard to uh, dislike any Star Trek. Um, I would have to say that of all of them, probably Voyager and only because of the acting. Mm. But I don't say I wouldn't say that I dislike it totally. It's more of just. I feel, you know, I, you know, I'm an arm, you know, armchair critic. I can say whatever I want, I suppose. But, you know, I, I felt that that maybe the casting could have been could have been better a very quick aside super quick aside based on that comment have you guys listened to the delta flyers yes podcast? uh it's a podcast starring uh garrett wang and uh Pat robert duncan mcneil talking about uh they're going through each episode talking about their experiences filming that episode or they even rewatch it and tell things like oh things i would do different or things that would uh like why some things were done the way they were mm -hmm. and like they're getting like like we were told like we cannot change the script you have to say what's on there and you have to do it ah uh, so yeah. so basically they're running up into the same problem that uh will wheaton did with bad writing uh-huh okay mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so that's that's uh, Harry Kim and Tom Paris from Voyager. I have listened to their podcast upon your recommendation, Sabriel, and I loved it. It's just so fun to hear them watching shows that they were in 20 plus years ago and reviewing them because sometimes their memories are so vivid, like they were just there yesterday. And other times they're like, oh, my hair was really bad. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it kind of was. My philosophy about Star Trek is that there is no bad Trek. It's just that some Trek is better than others. However, maybe we need to reconsider that philosophy in light of Lower Decks. Yeah. Do we also, should we get underway here? Sorry, what? Should we uh, get underway on Lower Decks here? Yeah. So this is the very first episode of the very first animated series since the 70s. It features four characters who are pretty low in the ranks of... What is the name of the ship? Like the USS Centrix? The Cerritos. Cerritos. That's right. Is that... What, 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 where does that word come from? Does anybody it's, know what that means? It's a city in California, which is apparently regarded as a very mediocre city. Oh, okay. So it might be the next version of the Mac OS as well. Great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and on this first episode, they have a second contact, which is the name of the episode. And we watch as the hilarity ensues. Not only are the characters introducing themselves to each other, but also to us as the as the viewers. So, uh, where do we want to begin? Do we want to walk through the episode? Do we want to give some general first impressions? I think first impressions. I agree. Oh. All right. Let's start with our guest, Joe. What did you think of Lower Decks Season 1, Episode 1? Wow. Well, overall, I think anybody uh, coming into this episode expecting classic Trek, expecting anything like the original animated series or anything like that, honestly, is going to be disappointed because that's not the point of this show. The point, you know, here is to to show what it's uh, what it's like to be a normal, average, everyday human being, you know, uh, on uh, or, you know, in this case, alien uh, serving on a uh, on a Starfleet ship. and. If you're expecting, you know, high drama or anything like that, that you, that you normally get from uh, TNG or Voyager or anything like that, you're going to be disappointed. Uh, that said, uh, you know, with the comedy angle, I think they had, they had a great opportunity here to, uh, look at, uh, Star Trek from a different angle, but I'm not sure that they hit the mark, to be honest. And, and how so? Like, what angle were they going for and how do you think they missed? Well, I think, it, again, to previous callback, I think it was mostly in the writing. Honestly, I found it's supposed to be a comedy. There's supposed to be jokes, and they are in there, but I did not once find myself laughing. And maybe that's just me being, you know, a super dry human being or something like that. Uh, but um, I just I found that I found the comedy to be very flat and very average animated sitcom not as hyped up as it was uh uh said to be in uh you know the advertising and the uh, the pre-rolls and the previews they put out before the show yeah this show is if i understand has some common dna with the tv show rick and morty is that correct i'm yeah uh, i think one of the producers uh uh, or one of the writers uh, worked on Rick and Morty. And so there also might be the expectation there. Well, like, oh my gosh, it's going to be a next, another Rick and Morty, but in Star Trek? Yeah. And I'm not quite sure. Again, I'm not quite sure it hit that mark. Um, if that's what they were going for, um, for all we know, you know, we're just, we're not understanding what they're trying to say as well. So are either of you Rick and Morty fans? I'm not. I am not either. Neither am I. And I'm wondering if maybe 
we're not the target audience. So I, we all follow Susan Arndt on Twitter. She's been on the show many times. And either she or I, I think it was her, possibly somebody who was responding to her on Twitter, said that the writers of Lower Decks think that saying things fast makes it funny. <laughs> and I, I can see how that might be the case. And it didn't work here. Well, so, well, here, let's get into your thoughts here, Ken. Your first impressions. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah, if this is supposed to be funny, I don't think it is. There was one moment when I smiled, and I think it was regarding the romance between the cyborg, cyborg character and the person he was on a first date with. I liked yep. that mini arc, that mini plot. Uh, but the rest of it, I don't know. Like it, it was very frenetic and very kinetic. There was a lot of action and a lot of very fast dialogue. But I don't know. It, if it's supposed to make me laugh, it didn't. I did find it fairly authentic for Star Trek, which I wasn't ex- expecting. Like almost everything in this episode, if played more seriously, could have been an actual episode of Star Trek. The one thing I found unbelievable was that the bioscanners on the transporter mm-hmm. wouldn't have gotten rid of yeah. whatever the <laughs> commander was affected with. That is, <laughs> that is the, that was the most unbelievable thing in this episode. And that <laughs> actually speaks pretty well for the show, in my opinion. I can't, I can't believe we, yeah, we all caught that. Like the super nerds caught that. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> now, I don't think that, I think that would have caught that. I don't know. Uh, yeah, like even yeah. the doctor said, do you think you should get that checked out? And uh, Commander Jack Ransom, played by Jerry O'Connell, says, no, nah, I'll be fine. I'm like, N- a real doctor would have said, no, you're getting that checked out. I'm the CMO. You're going to sickbay right now, honestly. Uh, you know, but we're on a crew where... They are. We're told that the uh, bridge crew is all high and mighty on themselves. So apparently, uh, regulations are a little differently here. <laughs> I mean, we had to have our comic comic foil for the episode too. So you know, we you've got to you got to break with uh, procedure a little bit to have something <laughs> to talk about, right? Right. It breaks what we know about Star Trek, but it doesn't seem to break the internal uh, logic of the ship and how it works. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, we've already seen some logic bending humor in the Star Trek Short Trek episode about the Tribbles. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that that was, I would say, Star Trek's first focused effort on comedy. And we have to sort of suspend our disbelief more than usual for that. And in that episode, it worked. That was a funny episode, more so than Second Contact. Sabriel, what did you think? Uh, you know, I have this problem on Thursday mornings when I watch the Star Trek series. It's like, I will go weeks without anybody bugging me all morning. I don't bugging is a strong word. Uh, without anyone poking me for my attention. Until there's like a new episode of Star Trek. And then it's always what I'm trying to watch. Picard or Discover or whatever. Or now this show. Constantly people pinging me for attention. Uh, and so I'm like, I'm trying to watch this thing. I'm trying to watch this thing. Pause, 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 pause. And I think that also helped me uh, not go into watching my very first viewing of this in the best of, I don't want to say mood, but in the best of light. I kept getting interrupted. And so I think that's some things when I missed for Huey. But my very first viewing of this, I'm like, well, I did giggle a little bit here. I laughed a bit here. Like, I get what they're going for here. Like, I see this guy who's the, our, our Ensign Bromler, Bemler, Bromler. Boimler. Boimler. Uh, he is supposed to be a mix of the what you're supposed to be, quote unquote, in Star Trek, and also the viewer. Uh, like a huge Star Trek geek. He's a mixture of the two. Where you, this is cool because it's there. We don't know what it does, but it's cool because it's there. And I get that. And then 
uh, his foil, his ensign, uh, uh, the woman who he's supposed to watch. Beckett Mariner. Thank you. I'm glad you wrote the notes <laughs> on these characters. Like I said, like I was saying before the show, I don't know all the Discovery characters all for two years, but um, I get what she's supposed to be. She's supposed to be his foil, get him to do things. And I, I, I see what they're going for here. It didn't land for me in the first episode. Like I said, I laughed here and there. I giggled here and there, but I saw where they're going. But I could see why things would be funny to some people, but it didn't particularly land for me. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like like the first two episodes of um, uh, Family Guy's show. Oh, I'm going to a blank here too. Wow. American Dad? No, uh, the space one. Orville. 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 I wanted to say Andromeda. But like the first two episodes of those were kind of eh, but I ended up loving the show a lot. So mm-hmm. I'm hopeful. My second viewing, I actually enjoyed it. If on a percent scale, like or like some kind of scale of one to ten, I enjoyed it maybe one more on whatever I enjoyed it the first way. And so I thought it was okay, but I clearly see this is not necessarily for me, and that's okay, but I don't hate it. Yeah, what Joe said about this is what it's like to be a typical human on a starship. That's what I feel like the Orville is. I feel like they took humans from the early 21st century and put them on a futuristic starship because that is exactly how humanity today, in my opinion, would react to a lot of these situations. I kind of feel like if it weren't for the Orville, we might not have lower decks. The Orville set the precedent and demonstrated that comedy in space can work. And so Star Trek is trying to cash in on that as well. I Again, uh, just like Sabriel said, the first couple episodes of the Orville didn't land for me. I feel like Fox portrayed it as a comedy, and that's what they were trying to do with the pilot to get Fox to pick them up. And once they had that secure contract, they were able to settle in and say, okay, now let's do what we really want to do, which is Mm -hmm. Star Trek, but with some comedy, as opposed to a parody of Star Trek, which ultimately the Orville is not. And so I'm hoping that Lower Decks... As I mentioned, it has a lot of the Star Trek architecture in there, and it adheres to it pretty faithfully. And I'm hoping that they'll find a way to take advantage of that rather than focusing on the comedy, which is what I felt like the pilot was trying to do. Yeah, I, I say I agree with you there on, on that, Ken. I mean, when you look at the artwork, the quality of the animation, the music, um, the sound effects, aside from the phasers, were, which were a little bit off, they've done a really good job of trying to stay faithful to the canon for the most part. Um, and I think that, um, you know, once they, they, they get their teeth cut on, on the format, um, as, as the, as the season rolls out, I, I, I'm really hoping that they'll, you know, they'll come into their own and, 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 uh, have more fleshed out kind of, uh, kind of layout that's a little bit less about the slapstick and a little bit more about the interactions between the characters and how that can bring out the humor uh, uh, and everything there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's clear that they love the show, they love the series. Yeah. There's no question there. They, this definitely feels like a Star Trek. Yeah, and they ha- certainly have enough Star Trek uh, people on the cast and crew who know what they're doing. I mean, this is uh, Alex Kurtman had his name in the opening credits, you know, and mm-hmm. he's the one that's responsible for the movie reboot, so... And he was he clearly is very successful at executing Star Trek. So I just don't know that you can compare the Star Trek reboot movies with Star Trek Lower Decks. They're very different. You know, and, and speaking of the chemistry of the cast, the core cast of this show is compared to most Star Trek shows fairly small. It's just four people. And maybe that's all they want to introduce in the pilot. And certainly we saw some of the command rank. We saw, you know, the CMO, the captain, the commander. 
But the show is really going to focus on just four people, which if you compare it with Next Generation or the revolving door of DS9's cast, <laughs> it's, it's a pretty focused cast. I think that might be a function uh, as well of the smaller format, and maybe that's uh, some of uh, some of our reservations as well. We're used to you know stories taking forty two minutes to get resolved, but in this case, we only have twenty two. So you know, I think that having a smaller cast benefits that format a little bit better. You're not you're not spending all your time on exposition, uh, trying to figure out what uh, twenty different people's uh, motivations are. Do you guys have a favorite character so far? I do. I would say that Devana Tendi, who I think is the Orion, if that is what mm-hmm. she is, she was my favorite character uh, because she is the one who I think is taking the job the most seriously. She's the one most intent and earnest about actually doing her job and being better at it. And she also, I love that little scene at the end where she's talking with Sam Rutherford, the cyborg about, oh my God, how can you ignore that that door didn't work? Like, she is just such a nerd. And as we are all nerds, I think that's the character I'm probably going to relate to the most. I really hope they do more character development uh, for her in the future as well. This first episode, she was almost kind of sidelined be- uh, behind the uh, the comedy and the foil between Boimler and Mariner, you know? Yeah, those two characters were definitely plot A. And the cyborg... Sam Rutherford, he got that whole romantic mm-hmm. subplot. And you're right. I feel like Tendi was sort of, maybe she was the avatar for the viewer, taking us through the ship and introducing us to everything there. My favorite was Dr. Tana, the Caitlin. Uh, uh, <laughs> I know I've never figured out how to pronounce this cat race in Star Trek. Cation? Is that how it's pronounced? Cation, uh the cat race. Um, she felt like this mixture of like, 90% uh, um, uh, Pulaski and 10% uh, of Crusher. And I just loved her. Uh, <laughs> just her, her attitude as uh, as uh, Ensign uh, Tendi uh, is trying to get into help in the sick bay. Hold this. Pump it. Are your hands clean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of bones and Pulaski about her. I liked that. It's fun that we can't have a Star Trek animated series without Acation. They just, it's like a staple. Although they did show up in Star Trek for the voyage home, but primarily I associate them with the animated series. Uh, and one other character I want to ask about, and we were talking about this a little off the air is commander Jack ransom. That is the same surname as the captain of the equinox, which Voyager encountered that being captain Rudolph ransom. And that led us to discussing, well, clearly this is not the same character because it's a different first name. Maybe they're related, kind of like uh, Decker in Star Trek One: The Motion Picture. He was related. Wasn't he the son of uh, Admiral Decker from the Doomsday Machine? Oh, I don't remember that. That's, if it's true. Yeah. I'm, I, I, think, I think that is the case. And so maybe there is a relation here. It seems unlikely. I mean, Ransom is a great name, especially for a really arrogant type character, in my opinion. Nonetheless, it seems unlikely that Star Trek would choose that name at ransom. I'm sorry, at random (laughs) without there being some connection. So, uh, but that also led us to talking about the timeline of when Lower Decks is set. And you two had some insight into this that I didn't. Uh, Yeah, it takes place after Star Trek Nemesis, but before Picard. And I think they were aiming for that continuity to try to pick a, a you know an area of uh, the truck timeline that hadn't been touched yet, 
obviously, but you know, there's been plenty of ever since enterprise. Well, let's go back in the past. Let's go back in the past and Picard's far future. I think they, they, you know, they, they were somewhat limited in what they could pick and also be, uh, how can I put it? Um, familiar for viewers. Yeah, there have not been, other than in the video games, any direct follow-ups to the timeline that we saw in Next Generation, Voyager, and Deep Space Nine. As you mentioned, Enterprise and Discovery went to the past, as will Strange New Worlds, the new series that's coming out. And Picard jumped 18 years into the, fu- into the future. Discovery is now jumping 1,000 years into the future. So Lower Decks is... If you want to watch them in order, it's what you watch right after you're done watching all the TNG movies and all the TV series that were on from 87 to 2001. <laughs> uh, and uh, lot of, God help you if you try to do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I saw somebody tweet that at the end of this year. So this episode of Lower Decks begins 23 consecutive weeks of Star Trek, 10 of Lower Decks, 13 of Discovery. And the last episode of Discovery that's going to air this calendar year will also be the 800th episode of Star Trek, if you include the movies. Wow. Wow. (laughs) That's a lot of content. Sounds like something to celebrate. (laughs) But imagine, like, this is one of the reasons why Star Trek can be a little impenetrable, because, like, oh, you've never seen Star Trek? Let's sit down and binge all 800 episodes. Like, uh, thanks. I'm going to go date somebody else. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know, now I think about it, that means I've seen every Star Trek episode and movie at least twice, except for, I think, the anim- first animated series. What about you, Joe? Are there any gaps in your Star Trek lore? The only thing I've ever missed is the uh, the animated series, the original 72 animated series. Ah, oh, you've never seen any of it? Uh, I've seen a couple episodes, and it's, it's for my personal uh, pacing and interest, uh, it's... It seems slow to me. I watched a couple episodes, almost fell asleep. I'm like, I'll stick with TNG, thanks. It is very slow. So the original Star Trek The Anime Series is like Star Trek at half speed, and Star Trek Lower Decks is Star Trek at double speed. (laughs) Maybe more than double speed. (laughs) You're listening listening to your podcast at triple speed. Uh, It's just... Joke after joke after joke after joke after joke. Uh, Well, okay, let's talk about the episode. Um... The short version is crew is going to a planet after a ship made first contact a year ago. The Cerritos is here making second contact to uh, get the fine prints going. Here, here, here's how we can help. And uh, violence and excellent zombie outbreak ensues because uh, of a bug bite. Uh, and so, so, oh, and then uh, the lower decks crew who are still on the planet doing stuff you don't see. Uh, accidentally stumble upon a cure. They don't know this as they come back, and everyone is saved. Um, this is a super short intro for a third. Uh, we're our, our podcast is already recording longer than the episode itself here. Um, uh, but there is some stuff here I liked, even if the comedy is always rapid fire, go 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 go. There was some stuff here I liked. The we we see the bridge crew being very heroic bridge crew. Uh, here and there, like, like when they come back with the cure, we could see everyone's ignoring ignoring our ensigns like they were just happened to be no they're just background it's like oh we found this cure this is amazing great work you can uh do some dissertations on this or things like that it's like i got i I like that i like that where we just see our bridge crew being jerk hole bridge crew (laughs) it kind of reminded me of the john scalzi novel red shirts how everybody is super dramatic when they're 
on the air. And then when they go to commercial break, they let their hair down. I felt like the bridge crew on Lower Decks was red shirts when they're on the air. Yes. Yes. Like just humanity ramped up to this dramatic extreme. You know, the name of the show is clearly drawn from the TNG episode Lower Decks, which focuses on four ensigns who were not primary characters on TNG. I think other than that episode, we hardly ever saw them, if ever again. I kind of feel like taking that name, although it has a similar focus on minor characters, does Lower Decks, the TNG episode, a disservice because that was a really intimate and sincere portrayal of these characters' challenges. It wasn't making light of them. In fact, one of the characters died. Spoiler. And so to to say that, oh, Lower Decks can also be funny, I'm like, mm, it really wasn't. I disagree that it does a disservice because they're just using, I think it's just using that name like so because people get, get what they're talking about here or who the show is about. And then they're also, you know, this show is a fill-in for things people have talked about for years in a lighthearted manner, well, usually, on, you know, Trek social places, like, who cleans up the holodeck after P- Riker has been in there? <laughs> or, you know, various things like that. And this is a show that's meant to, quote-unquote, answer some of those questions. Like, someone's out here got it, got it, having to do it. And I have to agree. Uh, yeah, if you're, I mean, if you're going to be uh, cleaning, uh, cleaning the holodecks and doing uh, maintenance on waste extraction, I mean, how else are you going to approach it except for a comedy? So you just remind me. I thought that the one time I laughed in this episode was during the date scene, and no, it was the holodeck. I completely forgot about that, and I loved it <laughs> when they pulled up like the naked outdoor gym, and the character says. This is very detailed. <laughs> that made me laugh. That was it. That was the one moment in this episode. Uh, it, 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 it seemed like, how have we not seen more people exploit the holodeck? I mean, okay, maybe humanity has evolved in the next couple hundred years, but they're still humans. And come on. We've seen this in the Orville, where they totally make use of the holodeck in ways that I think 21st century humans would. So it was nice to finally see that in Star Trek as well. I mean, we have seen it, just not in such a comedic manner. Uh, Reginald Barkley was using the holodeck, using the crew members as his uh, sometimes sexual fantasy. And Quark was always trying to get Kira into the hollow suite as well. Yeah, I mean, he did. And she she replaced her body with his head. Um, With something we saw, it was her talked about off, or it was off camera when this happened, but... It has been shown this way, or even Riker in like the first season when he goes and has a date with Minuet. That was very, very uh, alluding to he's going to go um, get rated R. When <laughs> <laughs> watching my language, I was going to say something else. <laughs> Well, and to some extent, too, you know, when it's when it's a network television or syndication in 1987, you're restricted by, you know, what all the regulations are. But now that it's streaming uh, and now that we can put it in a comedic foil uh, with, you know, with animation and all of that, we get to explore those things in much more detail. Um, uh, hopefully not too much detail, but you know what I mean? We can we can get into those things without having to worry so much about uh, somebody saying, well, you can't show that on television. You know, speaking of ratings. They bleeped out the S word, mm-hmm. but then later on, they called somebody else a B-I-T-C-H. So, that's, that's on network TV. You can say that on network TV. 
So are there rules on CBS All Access about what you can say and cannot say? Because clearly Discovery uses the F word. I feel like, in general, they film assuming that this could be aired on TV at some point. Even if it's huh. built for CBS Access All Access now. I don't know. It's just a hypothesis. I mean, you can always bleep out curse words later if they have to or mute over or say fudge you know like I mean, if you watch the old like 70s or 80s thrillers like like i grew up watching Smokey and the bandit with a uh, fred flintstone voice over the ba- uh smoky uh the cop the sheriff who's always chasing Bu- buford t buford t justice yes <laughs> i woke up with, I, I grew up with fred flintstone speaking over all his swearing work <laughs> on tbs huh very interesting I was wondering if maybe the bleep in this episode was for comedic effect, because I've never heard a bleep in Star Trek before. Totally for comedic effect. So you think they could have said that word if they wanted to? Yes, they could have. Yeah, it's it's a streaming service. There's nothing uh, preventing them from doing whatever they want. So, Huh. Well, I'm going to be keeping an ear out for that in future episodes to hear if they are consistent about what words they can and cannot use. Maybe I should start a spreadsheet or something. <laughs> uh, I found this episode extremely predictable. Uh, like, like the you need to watch this, this, you need to watch Ensign Lady Girl and uh, and report back to me. I'm like, okay, you're the black captain, and the only but the black character I've seen is her. Like, okay, you're her mother. <laughs> like, yep. By the end, we find out. Oh, see, that part I didn't pick up on. I agree. I didn't pick up on it until the very oh, end. Oh, well, then. <laughs> oh, well, oh, uh, okay. And then the fact that, was it the Admiral that she called? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And, and and that was the uh, Ensign's father. And I'm like, oh, okay, that is going to be an interesting dynamic here. Yeah. Like uh, bad. He, he is Admiral Freeman. She, uh, Captain, Fre- uh, no, 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 Freeman, but then the Ensign, no, or was he Admiral Mariner? And anyway, the last names were different. So it was a bit because it's Ensign Mariner, but uh, Carol Freeman, the captain, right. is her mom. So it was kind of a, let's just see how much we can get away with this. Uh, mm-hmm. But for me, I caught it right away. Ah, uh, you're too smart for us, Captain. <laughs> That's I'm why captain? you're the captain. <laughs> yep. Joe, do you have anything else you want to share about this episode? Well, yeah, I found, and this is this may be a complete coincidence. I don't know why, but my trek, uh, my trek detail alarm went off by the astounding number of references to the state of California. I yes. counted at least eight of them. We got uh, every single shuttle is mm-hmm. uh, a California park. The ship's name is Cerritos, a eh, city in California. Boimler is from California. The captain has the California Republic flag in her ready room and the ship is California class. So like, is that going to come up later or are they just making nods to Hollywood and it's in its craziness? I'm not sure. I feel like it's the second one, but yeah, I saw these references to like the, the shuttle, the Joshua tree and things like that. I'm like, uh, yeah, this is definitely a, a to me. It just felt like, well, let's just stick with our theme. Mm-hmm. I also think uh, that uh, I like the subtle hint that the Cerritos itself is almost like the lower decks of the entire of star entirety of Starfleet. And you get that most from the intro where they're <laughs> like, they're showing up to the Borg fight and they're like, mm, no, we're going to go away. This isn't our <laughs> job, you know? Uh, my first viewing of the intro, my intro credits there, it was how uh, I was feeling like, okay, I get it. <laughs> lower decks. And then the second viewing, like I, I liked it a little bit better. It was more funny to me the second time around. 
So you each watched this episode twice. I watched it only once, so I only have my first impressions to share. But uh, what you just mentioned about it being like the uh, lower decks of Starfleet, there is a great series of mini novels or novellas by AC Spahn called Endurance. And it's about the USS Endurance, not set in any known universe, but it's very similar to Lower Decks and the Orville where this captain has, instead of being demoted, he's been made captain of basically the fleet's worst ship. And everybody else on the ship, like all the crew has all been disgraced in one way or another. And it's really good sci-fi with some comedic elements. Uh, the whole five novella series can be bought together as a single ebook for like four bucks. Nice. And collectively, they're about as long as one book would be. Uh, so if you like Lower Decks, or especially if you like the Orville, I recommend Endurance. And I'll put a link in the show notes at transporterlock.com. Yeah, please do. I've somehow missed this. Yeah, I bought my first e-reader last fall. I bought a Kobo. And when I turned it on and it booted up the Kobo store, it said Endurance is on sale for a dollar. I'm like... Okay, I've never read an ebook before. I'll try that, and it was a pretty good first impression, in fact. Uh, uh, this episode had a ton of background references, like we mentioned the California flag and whatnot. But there's, you know, we the Batleth, which is the primary part in the opening <laughs> scene, which I also hated the opening scene, uh, where a uh, mariner's drunk and picking on Boimler, uh, and she accidentally st- slices his leg with a Batleth. But like in her uh, contraband, a uh, short leaf contraband box, you could see like the fist that um tasha yar had to fight yeah. with in the second <laughs> episode of start for tng uh oh gosh i'm doing all the background references if you just watch the background i suppose i know i can't think of any more off the top of my head but uh, if you look for it you'll see them there if you are someone who just appreciates that you can see how much they love star trek how about that yeah they did a really good job at uh at uh replicating the acutograms on the diagrams on the master systems displays and stuff too so yeah and of course, at the end, they were certainly dropping a lot of names like Gary Mitchell and Deanna mm-hmm. Troy. I'm not really sure I saw the need for that because it's not like they were leading into some sort of a... It, it wasn't contextually relevant. It was just her saying, oh, have you heard of this person? Have you heard of that person? And- uh, yeah, she was drunk. And this was a scene for her mother also being in Lower Decks 10 Forward, uh, seeing her daughter being as like, oh, she's such a pain in the ass. Well, we're seeing her. She's all happy and actually finding friends. Uh, yeah. Cause was- this, yeah. Uh, speaking of being drunk, R- Romulan whiskey. <laughs> yeah, like we knew we knew about Romulan ale, but I've never seen Romulan whiskey before. I mean, it makes sense. Of course, she was drunk while drinking it, so maybe she just got the name wrong. We got to give her a little credit. <laughs> it certainly wasn't Romulan ale, though, because that would be green, and this was blue. But looking at Memory Alpha, this is in fact Starfleet's or Star Trek's first ever reference to Romulan whiskey. Uh, I mean, it makes sense to be there's whiskey to me. Like, if I question none of that, I think the Romulan ale that you can get at Star Trek, the experience was also blue. And I, oh. I explicitly remembering it, remember it on Star Trek, uh, uh, Star Trek Six: The Undiscovered Country being blue, was it not? And that was ale. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. Huh? Romulan ale? Why bones? You know this is illegal. That was. Star I've had Trek. yellow beer. I've had brown beer. I've had red beer. Uh, yeah, could be different. I, I I don't know. I don't drink any of these things, especially of the Romulan variety. <laughs> I'm just like, so. There's probably more than one brewer, brewery on Romulus at this time. <laughs> That's what I was getting to. <laughs> you don't think they have some sort of a uh, stamp of approval where they have to meet certain standards and regulations? Actually, you know what? Being Star Trek and sci-fi, when we have like one theme planets, it totally makes sense that there's only one beer. <laughs> right. One ale. 
You yep. know, like yep. like rock, rock to Gino. They never ask, how do you want that? And they're like, no, just give it to me. It's only one way. It is rock to Gino, period. <laughs> so. All right. Any closing remarks? I can't wait to give it a second shot. The first one was, I don't say it was underwhelming, but you know, it, it met expectations and I had none. How about that? I didn't hate the experience. I just wasn't sure it's for me. So I can't wait to try episode two. Agreed. I'm uh, as a track fan. I mean, I have to watch it. I have to see where these characters are going and what they want to do with this story and hoping that the, uh, the comedy comes back around uh, our way. Um, uh, for new new viewers, I'm not sure they're going to stick around for it. But well, I mean, I guess it remains to be seen in the in the ratings and uh, you know the uh, the uh, court of public opinion. Yeah, for me, I find the investment to be very low. Like if this was an hour long series and the first episode was this bad, I'm not sure I would come back. But it's only a half an hour each week, less than without commercials. And also, like Joe said. I can't imagine there being Star Trek on the air and not watching it. I mean, I would always feel like there would be this gap in my soul. <laughs> so, so why and, not watch it? And then you can be like the people who go onto the Star Trek Reddit and can just complain about every new tra- Star Trek like Discovery. It's not Star Trek. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I have to and watch also, this, but it's not Star Trek. <laughs> and like we said, we can't ever judge an entire series by the first episode i mean the first two episodes of discovery were rough as we've talked about on the show say real mentioned the first two episodes of the orville were rough we've all known how bad the first episode of tng was encounter at far point oh my gosh <laughs> you know so if second contact is lower decks encounter at far point i'm willing to give it a pass yeah yeah agreed all right well then that in that case this has been transporter lock joe remind our listeners where they can find you online Absolutely. You can find me online at Joe's Computer Museum on YouTube. Just do the quick search for that. You can also follow me on Twitter and my weird shenanigans there at Museum Joe on Twitter. Awesome. Lieutenant Commander Joe, thank you so much for joining us for this first episode of Lower Decks. Sabriel, are we going to be back to review future episodes of this show? Uh, well, we, we can talk off the air. We talked about just doing one, but let's see how we're feeling. Sounds good. We definitely wanted to give our first impressions on this series. Whether or not we'll be back is TBD, but you can certainly count on Transporter Lock definitely coming back in October for the first episode of Discovery Season 3, which airs Thursday, October 15th. Until then, hit it. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes and keep your hailing frequencies open by following us on Twitter at Transporter Lock or subscribing to our podcast and email newsletter at transporterlock.com. We did double the episode length of Lower Decks. This is not uncommon. We will, we will, we've done like hours on short treks. <laughs> Let's really pull apart these five minutes. Isn't there a podcast where every episode is like another 10 seconds of Star Wars? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're like, they're really pulling apart. Uh, hold, on, hold on. I know we're off the air now, but it's, I have to find this. Oh, yeah. It's Star Wars one minute at a time. StarWarsMinute.com. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> So they're going through the whole series chronologically. They'll watch one minute of a movie and then they'll do a whole podcast about it. And then the next week they'll watch another minute. StarWarsMinute.com. We can do that about Star Trek and never finish because we die. 800 episodes <laughs> of Star Trek. Wow. One minute per. How many minutes of Star Trek is there?
800 times 43 on average. We'd have to produce 34,000 episodes of the podcast. (laughs) And then they'd keep making more Star Trek while you were talking. It's true. Kind of like YouTube. Every minute of YouTube you watch, they upload another 72 hours. This is a push show you would have had to start like when Enterprise ended. (laughs) (laughs) To keep keep up. We'd have to watch Star Trek before they even made it in order (laughs) to stay up to date. 